welcome in. Andrew, I need some, uh, think about my mic. Here you go, buddy. Welcome. It is the All City, All NFL podcast live. It's Super Tuesday. Yes. And we're here. Yes. Media Row, hanging out. Baldy, cuz. And, uh, man, what a, what a show we got. Yeah, we got a show. We got How a show today. Like, we got some guests. Raider Nation. We, we got Raider Nation. You're going to love this. Yeah. I mean, we got a one-on-one with the new head coach of the of the Las Vegas Raiders, Antonio Pierce. And there, you really, if you, had to, if you had to go AI, a person, to become the head of the Raiders, it'd be Antonio Pierce. Yes, yes. Kid growing up in Compton. Yeah, right. straight like, out of Compton. I mean, it, it's such a perfect fit. Boys in the hood. I can see him as a kid, <laughs> right? Yes. Wearing wear, wear the Raiders sweatshirt, right? Like, it, it's so perfect, yes. man. It's so perfect. He is charismatic. He is filled with energy. Mm-hmm. I, I, You know, you and I were both like, ah, like I, I, you want to go play. I want to go play. Like, I, dude, what do you need us to do? Well, <laughs> he's, you know, he, look, he... he Understands the history of the organization. Yeah. And he loves it. He, he loves the history. Um, he, has, he has the team by their teeth. Like, they're following him. He's putting his staff together. Um, they gave up the fewest points in the league once he became the interim head coach. He spent time telling us about what makes Steve Spagnuolo so, so gifted. And, so, and he's learned from Steve back when he was uh, playing with the New York Giants and winning a Super Bowl and taking down Tom Brady and the Patriots running for perfection. Like, it's, it's really, I mean, people are really going to enjoy this. Yeah, I, I, I love him, man. I got to tell you. You, know what it, you, know what you root is, for him. I, you root for the guy. Dude, I, I, Baldy, you know, you know what's, what's cool about him is he, he's not pretentious. No. He's like, you know, and he says it in the interview. Well, well know, he walked it. in. He's got no entourage. No. There's no handlers. Nobody. Like he's just walking in. Like I'm, I'm a football guy. I'm gonna go talk to Baldy. I'm gonna talk yeah. to Cuz. We're gonna do this interview. Like I mean, it's just you don't have to like cut through like you know this crowd of people or yes. anything. It's just, it's just Antonio. It's AP. Yeah, I, I, we just love, we love him. So we got him. You're gonna hear from uh, Steelers, Steelers, like two of the great franchises. Yes, Cam Hayward. Cam Hayward, captain of the Pittsburgh Steelers. The, the veteran leader of that defense and, and and really kind of go around the dial with him about the league, about the Steelers, about this game, about yep. the Chiefs, what makes them special. Like, I think, you know, Cam's got a, you know, he's he's been around the league a long time. Obviously, his father is Ironhead Hayward. Like, he's, he's, he's so been around. Bright. Yeah, and he's a very charismatic guy himself. So we, we chop it up with Cam and kind of, you know, really – Kind of like let, let it see through a, a real defensive tackle's eyes here. Yeah, he's fantastic, absolutely fantastic. Don't forget, all right, the all NFL, all uh, podcast, all city, all NFL podcast. The Meat Locker is uh, presented by Prize Picks. Daily fantasy sports made easy. Use promo code All NFL for your first deposit match up to 100 bucks. And uh, of course, Factor Factor meal kits, meal delivery kits that takes the stress out of meal prep and planning. I mean, it's the greatest. Uh, use code All NFL fifty get fifty percent off. So we we got lots to do, and we're gonna get to those guys. I will say, like it's Super Tuesday and starting to get crowded, right? Starting, starting to feel the buzz, right? It's starting to feel like a Super Bowl last night 
We were at uh, Circa. We yep. love Circa's the best. Like on your next trip to Vegas, please go to Circa. It's you're you're gonna just trust us on this, okay? You're gonna absolutely love it. We I love Barry's Steakhouse. I was just about to bring that up. I mean, Barry, Barry, we met Barry last night. We went into his meat locker with all of the cuts that he has and the Post service. that, Andrew. Yeah. Post that picture of us. <laughs> yes, that was great. It was a great dinner last night. Well, you know what's funny? Andrew, our producer, was like in awe because of Bruce. Yeah, well, that would be Bruce Buffer. Yes. Who literally came from Allegiant Stadium where he announced the teams. Yes. Onto, you know, Monday night, you know, time with uh, the media. Uh, brought in Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes and Kyle Shanahan. Introduced it's everybody. Time. Yeah, he, yeah. G- he gave it the big, the big buildup last night. Then he came over and cut it up with us for a while. Yeah, it was. Uh, it, it was, of course, with the shoes, mm-hmm. legendary. Yeah. you guys together yeah. are just are. are um, we have our share of stories. A- Andrew, Andrew was just like captivated <laughs> by the war stories over the tomahawk yeah. steaks last mm-hmm. night. Yeah. Well, there's a lot it's of those. Good steak, Some, by the way. Yeah, it was great steak. Great steak. Great evening. Uh, um, you know, at some point, uh, we might even venture outside of Circa and see what's going on. But yes. right now, it's been so accommodating. Yeah, we love like, it. Like, we just keep staying. I know. It was like, you know, let's go to the, the long bar. Yeah, the long bar. Right. We're going to go to the Legacy Bar. Yes. They're going to go upstairs and have a, a stogie. Uh, you know, light one up there and just sort of reflect back on the year that we've had and what's in store for us on Sunday. Yes, and it's fantastic. All right, so a couple things. I want to get to the Hall of Fame. Yes. Because, uh, in fact, uh, Anthony Munoz, We'll join you tomorrow, Baldy, and uh, we may snag him for us. But Anthony has done so much for the Hall of Fame. Of course, Thursday, Mm -hmm. the Hall of Fame will be uh, be announced. Yeah, Yeah, the newest. And then those the newest members will be down on the field on Super Bowl Sunday. Isn't that cool? Yeah, it's cool. I love the Hall of Fame. Like, I I have to tell you, I'm a huge fan. First of all, I love Canton. Mm -hmm. All right. I I love the museum. Mm -hmm. I think the museum is so special. Uh, you know, it's, it, to me, it's right up there with the Louvre. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, it's uh, it's not as old as the Louvre, but it is, uh, you know, it, it just represents the history of this game that every step of the way through this history, through the decades, the league has just been built upon the shoulders of those Hall of Fame players. And so when you when you get when you walk into the hall, you walk into a very select group of people that have helped build this this machine that we're all enjoying and a part of right now. And so it, it's a great time to reflect and give you know the proper amount of kudos to those players that sacrificed, that led, that won, that redefined a position, that dominated, like all those different um, all those different words that help describe where we're at today. Yeah, yeah, it's it really is special. All right, so I have all the Kennas, the finalists. Mm-hmm. All right, now I want to ask you, let, let's examine, you know, and obviously these are all great players yes. in their own right, so there's no slights here. No, but here's the thing, is that the game has evolved. So the statistics... First of all, they didn't have sacks, you know, before a certain year. Right. Um, you know, the game is a passing game now. Like, you know, you much more opportunities to get sacks. Well, just not just that, but more passes, more touchdowns, more catches. Mm-hmm. So you can get caught up in numbers. And when, so when you start reading these names off to me, especially the linemen, where they don't have stats, like I just want to th- 
like just reflect back on how long they were a dominant player, what era they were a part of, and just kind of give you almost a knee-jerk reaction to do they do they belong in the hall or not? Yeah, yeah. All right, let's do it. Um, let's start with your, one of your former teammates who remains on the ballot, mm-hmm. and that is Eric Allen. Yeah. Who I always thought, man, listen, I mean, I grew up watching Eric Allen play corner, and he was a tremendous, tremendous corner. Yeah, he was. And, he, you know, he played on some number one defenses in Philadelphia. Speaking uh, he, of the Raiders. Yeah, yeah and, and he was with the Raiders and with the Eagles. Um, and he was a quality, quality guy. I played two years with EA. Um, he's he, Like, there's two guys. One's not on the ballot. Everson Walls and Eric Allen, I feel like, if you look back at their accomplishments, they deserve to be in the Hall yeah. of Fame. He was. I mean, he was a he was a legit in his time. Like I always look at Hall of Fame as if you were a top two, three player at your position. I mean, that's got to vault you to something. To me, that kind of vault should vault you, and you do it over a length of time. With it, he was he was basically and he played forever. He played he played a long time, and he was he was healthy for the most part. He missed very little time. Uh, you know, was available every Sunday. Uh, EA deserves serious consideration to walk in this year. Yeah, I, I, and maybe I, the fact that we're here in Las Vegas with the Raiders yeah. somehow maybe that influences things. Yeah. Since he, you know, he still does work with the Raiders here, um, and we may see him out here this week. Yeah, I, I and again, do you agree with that criteria? Like, you, you got to be if you're if you're well if you're the dominant player for a decade, you you deserve to. Well, be then in you're it. in. Yeah. But if you're a top two, three of yes. your position, yeah, I think you got to get consideration. I agree. I agree. All right, Jared Allen. Defensive end, might remember mostly from the Vikings. Northern uh, Idaho. Yeah. Northern Idaho, fourth-round pick. Uh, probably got somewhere around 135 sacks, maybe 140. Everybody that has achieved the number of sacks that Jaron Allen has is in the Hall of Fame, whether it's Kevin Green. You know, you look at, you know, Taylor. You look at the guys that have gone in recently. Um if you get to that number, look, and the, the highest number is Bruce Smith at 200, Reggie White 198. But if you're at that 140 mark, almost I, I, I'm almost positive about this without researching it. I know you can Google everything, but I almost think that every guy is in there. Yeah, yeah. Willie Anderson, the, uh, the offensive tackle. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Willie is. Uh, he, look, he, he played in Cincinnati forever. And he was an anchor right tackle and finished his career in Baltimore. Um, he was look, – look, he still coaches offensive line. He still does these breakdowns. Uh, he's still very heavily involved. But I don't know that – I don't know that Willie's going to get in on this ballot. How much do you think right tackles uh, get hurt just because of the I think they get thing. knocked down. I think they yeah. get knocked down. I think left tackles still get – I mean, if you look at really Wolf, Rolf yeah. and Jonathan Ogden and some of the guys that have gone on, you know, recently, they've been all left tackles. It's been very few right. Although, in today's game, today's game, you see as many dominant pass rushers over the right tackle, if you think about it, as you do over the left tackle. Yeah. I will say this, and uh, not because he's a friend of ours, uh, over in Las Vegas and the Raiders, but – I've always thought right tackle Lincoln Kennedy should have been a Hall of Famer. Okay. Well, I mean, Lincoln played a long time, and he was an anchor yeah. of that offense line in Atlanta and with the Raiders. Speaking of old linemen on the ballot, Jari Evans, who played a long time terrific interior lineman 
I mean, Ja Reed, man, it was uh, was ter- played a long time in this game. So, Ja Reed went to Bloomsburg State. Okay, Pennsylvania's a wrestling school. Went to Bloomsburg. He's from Philadelphia. Uh, his agent is Gerald Colton, local guy in South Jersey. He'll be coming in today. Yeah, and so when Gerald um, called me the year that uh, Jari came, over, came out, and he said, Baldy, can you, can you sit in the film room with Jari, and can you kind of show him NFL-type linemen, pass sets, offense? Because he, he, he went to Bloomsburg. He didn't play at a top-flight Division I school. So I said, bring him. So Jari came over, met him, big, wide body, um, just naturally big. You know, it's not like one of these guys that lived in the weight room to get big, just naturally big. Yeah, so so I, I got to know Jari before he was even drafted, fourth round out of New Orleans. Um, became the highest paid offensive guard in the league, won a Super Bowl with the Saints, um, played not just a long time, but, you know, they were in the playoffs every year, Super Bowl win. Jari, to me, is what you're looking for in a Pro Bowl offensive line. He was a dominant player. I think he went to seven Pro Bowls, a couple uh, first-team All-Pros uh, for over a decade. I mean, Jari, to, and he, he, was a st- he was the anchor. Like, to me, Jari is a Hall of Fame player. Yeah. Well said. Completely agree. I mean, again, it, you're talking about a guy that was there, right? He was always there, always. The count- I mean, we always talk about – you know, being there for your team and just the amount of games. And then that's so important. Well, Jari, the one thing about Jari is like he. Uh, I'm stepping on his court. He. Um, I'm stepping on his court. Well, you're talking Andrew. about stepping on my court here. Like he was never on the ground. No. Like you watch Jari, his balance was his one of his greatest attributes. Like you can't play football on the ground, but guys are the guys just was on his feet. Yeah. He just had incredible balance, incredible core strength. You couldn't run through him, and it was hard to run around him. All right, let's go to a, another defensive end who had some big years, Baldy. Yeah. From the Indianapolis Colts, yep. like you always knew it was Manning, right? And Marvin and Reggie Wayne. And on the, uh, the defensive side, it was Sanders mm-hmm. and this man, yeah. Dwight Freeney. Off the Out edge. Out of Syracuse. You know, Tony Dungy drafted him, and everybody said he was undersized. And, you know, he's uh, barely over six feet, six one, And he didn't, you know, he w- and all he did was just dominate. And he's like Jared Allen, like he's got 140 plus sacks. I don't think both of them can get in. I don't think one can. Mm-hmm. But he played a long time. He you know, went, went beyond Indianapolis, played in Atlanta, played in other places. But, you know, he was a consistent force, just a consistent force. And he had a spin move, which today, even today, it would be lethal. Uh, Dwayne Freeney is going to get a lot of consideration. Um, but I don't know that you can get both. In, in the statistics, yeah. years and statistics, I mean, I don't have them side by side in front of me. There's another defensive end, too. Yes, I know. I, I'm just saying, like, yeah. I don't know. Usually you can only take one from one position per year. Yep. Yep, agreed. And there's another one we'll talk about in a little bit. All right, there's a guy that to me is the, if there's one lock here, uh, this has to be a lock. Tight end, Antonio Gates. Yes. Yeah, I think Gates is a lock. I think Gates is a lock. Um, you know, I mean, just the number of touchdown catches, the length, him and Phillip Rivers, um, the connection that they had, former basketball player. The next know. the next big tight end receiver. Like, it ushers in that wave of tight end receivers. No? Yeah. I mean, he was a red zone, you know, killer. Yeah. Like, he just crushed it there. But, um, 
Uh, he did it for a long, long time, and he did it at a very high level, and he had incredible stats. Like, uh, I would say that Antonio Gates, is this his first year? Yeah. Eligible? First time on the ballot. I think he's, I think he's going to walk in. I think he should. I think he should. Uh, guy you know very well. Defensive back, New England Patriots, mm-hmm. Rodney Harrison. Yep. Um, and I love Rodney. I got to tell you, I've always, for, as a guy, I'm a big Rodney Harrison fan. Mm. Well, I mean, he was a great player with the Chargers yeah. before he went to the Patriots and then won Super Bowls with the Patriots and yep. was the enforcer in the middle of the field. And I don't know. Like, obviously, we were friends with Brian Dawkins. And, yeah. And we knew that Doc was getting in, and then John Lynch. And, you know, there's been some safeties that have gotten in. And for a long time, safeties didn't get in. I don't know if Rodney is going to get I don't know if he has enough interceptions and things like those type of numbers. But that's not, to, that's not to negate his impact in games and how he helped win games. And that's a shame because the number thing and all because of what his presence on the field mm-hmm. – Help make no, them the middle a dynasty. Of field, the middle of the field was, you know, he owned the middle of the field. He got, you know, late in his career, he got, you know, that kind of tag of being a little dirty player. But that's how the game was played. Yeah. You know, that's how Paul Amato played the game. You know, that's how Steve Smith played the game. It was, it's the way it was played for a long time. But uh, I think you'll get consideration. I'm not sure if this is going to be his year. All right. Uh, the man who was the biggest weapon on special teams for his era. Mm-hmm. Unstoppable. Yep. Yep. Chicago Bears. Started the, started the Super Devin Bowl. Devin Hester. Yeah, Devin Hester started the Super Bowl with a kickoff return for a touchdown. Yes, he did. As a Chicago Bear um, down there in Miami. Um, I, look, he's got more uh, returns for touchdowns, punt returns, kickoff for touchdowns than anybody in history. And, you know, I, I think maybe Brian Mitchell is the next closest. Um, I think, look, when you start letting punters, if punters are allowed to be included, in the Hall of Fame, if kickers are allowed to be included in the Hall of Fame, and they should be, they're part of the game, and we always say special teams is a third of the game, then I think returners should be allowed in. And I think you have to give, when if you're the best returner of all time, then you should give serious consideration to that. Whether it's this year or next year, like I think Devin Hester should be a Hall of Fame player. Now, we don't play in that era anymore where you get those opportunities the way they once did. But in that era, he was he was a threat, and you had to you had a game plan around him. Otherwise, he would do exactly what he did against Indianapolis and take it to the house to start a game. Yeah, the uh, the, the era of the kick return, man. That's a, that's long gone. Hmm? Well, I mean, it's just uh, it's I mean, a touchback. It's, it's yeah. You get a, you get a you know a handful of them. Uh, each team gets a handful every year right now to take them back. But you know you, the fact that you can still fair catch it at the five, you know, and, and get it at the twenty-five. I mean, they've just taken the kickoff return out of the game. Yeah, and it started with the wedge. And the minute they take the wedge, well, out. it was a four-man wedge. Then it was a two-man wedge. Then they eliminated the wedge, and you know, and then you know, then the kickers got so good, they're just kicking the ball out of the, you know. So now it's just, um, you know, it's 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 just a play right now that you just assume is going to start at the twenty-five. Yeah, yeah, ah, big time. All right, let's go to the greatest show on turf, and uh, wide receiver Tory Holt. Well, if Isaac Bruce is in the Hall of Fame, and Marshall Falk hmm. is in the Hall of Fame, and Kurt Warner is in the Hall of Fame, and Orlando Pace is in the Hall of and Fame. Dick Vermeil. And Dick Vermeil is in the Hall of Fame. Um, 
and the Rams win their first Super Bowl and is the greatest show on turf, which is one of the great, I mean, when you talk about doomsday and the fearsome force. I mean, you just talk about monsters of the midway. All that stuff. Like, that's part of the folklore of the game. Yeah. Like, how in the world can you leave Torrey Holt out? Yeah. They won a Super Bowl his rookie year. In fact, there's Torrey right over there. Yeah. Uh, you know, but I, I, I just think that um, I think Torrey Holt is I, I hope this is his year. I hope this is year before the numbers start getting too big and the separation between catches, touchdowns. And that's just the biggest worry. It's funny you said that because you took the words out of my mouth. I, I, you worry about the stats and the numbers, and because that's the great divide, mm -hmm. right? That's the era like we're looking mm -hmm. at. Like once you get into 26, 15, 16, like up until that point, you know, you, you got that's Tory Holt. No, that's but it used to be like career. it used to be like. You know, for the West Coast offense, you'd say, okay, the X receiver's getting 80, the Z's getting 60, the tight end's getting 60, and the back's getting 40. That was sort of the breakdown yes. in their offense. Yep. And that's how it was distributed. Well, now, you're, you know, your lead receiver's getting 120 catches. You know, and so it's just the, I mean, the you're numbers. C.D. Lamb getting 15 a game. Okay. So, and the targets and all that. Yeah. And so, I, I feel like... You, you, in the conversation in that room with the with the voters, you got to go look. If we don't get Tory in, the separation from his era of Chris Carter and you know Randy Moss, et cetera, et cetera, uh, Isaac Bruce, like the guys have gotten in, like it's just going to be too big of a separation. Well, let's tackle the other uh, the other receivers, Andre Johnson. It's kind of hard to say no to Andre Johnson. I don't know how many could get in. But he was the dominant player with the Texans um, for a long, long time. And he was a feared player. There's no Super Bowls. There's just a whole bunch of Pro Bowls and all Pro positions. And he had the size and everything that you want. Like, it's just going to be a heck of a debate. I don't know how many of these you could get in. Uh, speaking of which, another debate. Is it Reggie Wayne. There we go. I mean, you know. Reggie, Marvin, um, you know, Edrin, Peyton. Uh, he's coaching the Indianapolis Colts right now at wide receivers. Big part of their success this year. Uh, I worked with Reggie, a uh, very humble guy. But, man, what a run. I don't know, 14 years? I mean, he put yeah. up some big numbers over a long stretch of time. I mean, like, you're just mentioning three guys here, okay? And we, you kind of, like, stack them together. Like, how do you separate them? I, I don't know how to do it. I really don't. I don't know what those conversations come down so to. so hard. Here's the thing about Reggie Wayne is that, first of all, he was such a great route runner. Mm -hmm. I mean, coming out of Miami, second-round pick. And, you know, you got Marvin on one side, right? And then when Marvin retires. He becomes a guy. He's the guy. Yeah. Yep, and numbers go up. And people go, wow, he lived off of Marvin. And then he was solo, and he was a dominant force with Peyton. Yes. So I don't, I don't know how to – honestly, I, I, I mean, I, you can't get all three of those guys in that you just mentioned. You just can't. So can you get two in? And I don't know what the deciding factors are. So the shoe is in. Okay. A little inside. Okay. The shoe, because uh, Bruce Buffer and the shoe – are in. Yeah. Are they in? They're, they're, they're being escorted over here. Okay, good. Yeah. Oh, cool. Oh, there's the shoe. Yeah. I just saw a shoe shirt on. I saw it. I just saw his. <laughs> Who's the bodyguard for Buffer? Anybody <laughs> bodyguarding for him right Don't now? Don't bother. B please, Bruce. You look good, brother. There he is. The shoe. Fantastic. 
A uh, couple more, and then uh, we're going to go see our friends, right? Yes. Uh, let me ask you about Patrick Willis, mm-hmm. Darren Woodson. See, Patrick Willis should go in. So yeah. He played eight years. His first six years, he was the best linebacker in football. He was. He wore 52 to honor Ray Lewis. He was better than Ray. He came in, he was the most dominant defensive player, the linebacker in the league. His first six years. He had some injuries, year seven, year eight. It's an eight-year run. But his, in his first six years, he was first-team All-Pro on five of those six years. He was the most dominant interior. Now, you know, Gail Sayers' career was cut short, Hall yeah. of Fame player. Yeah. You know, some guys. It's funny because I, I, I was on the fence because of that, because of the length of career, but you make a good argument. No. I mean, but he's the best. He's the best inside linebacker in the league for six straight years in yeah. a row. And it was the day he hit the field running. Yep. Yep. Uh, Darren Woodson, I mean, I don't know how he gets in. I just, it's. It's been so long. Yeah. You know, we've seen, but we've seen Dawkins and, like, he was one of those players. Lynch, we've seen all these guys, Palomaro, all these guys from that era go in, and Darren has been on the outside looking in for this long stretch. But, I mean, 15 years, first class uh, citizen, Super Bowl championships. I mean, there's a lot there on the resume. Uh, Two more for you. Fred Taylor, mm-hmm. you know, one of the yeah, no. shifty yeah, running yeah. backs. I just don't know. He was know. a big he, back. He was a big, he, powerful back. And, he was 230 he was, pounds. He was. Like, he, he was, trucked people. He had a great run. I don't think he's a Hall of Fame player. I don't I think he's either. just a great player. And, uh, and then finally, Julius Peppers. Oh, yeah. Speaking of defensive ends, I mean, he's got to get in. He's good. I think I think Pep walks in. Yeah. I think he walked in. I mean, he didn't. He, if you look up, I don't think he missed five games in his career. He lined up, played every game. Has he, to. He, he was he left and went to Chicago and Green Bay, did the same thing he did in Carolina. Yeah. Went to Super Bowls. Like Pep like I think Pep was might get in above Dwight Freeney and above Jared Allen. Yeah, I, I think Pep might I walk think he in. Should. I, I like, agree. Like, like he was second pick in the draft. Yeah. Change the game. They don't make him at 6'6", 285 pounds anymore. Like I think Pep's gonna get in. And he had a second he had, he had a, a great he had a, had a great act run too. Yeah, Chicago and Green Bay. Yeah. Yes. You know? Great second acts. So uh all right. Let's do this. Let's take a quick TO because we're gonna have our man Bruce Buffer on in a second. But let me tell you about the Game Time app. Hey, Baldy, what would you do with an extra 100? I know what the shoe would do with an extra 100. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's um, <laughs> there's somebody that could put it on black for me and just let it ride. So do yourself a favor, all right? You got to download the Game Time Ticket app. This thing revolutionizes how we buy tickets, all right? So you can see right there on the app, wherever it is, all right, where your seats are going to be. So if you want to come to the big game and you're looking to do that, well, guess what? Use the Game Time app, use the code Vegas100, and you're going to get, yes, 100 bucks back, right? Mm. And you can hang with it. Uh, and if you're not coming to Vegas for the big game to see our great man, the legend himself, Bruce Buffer, well, uh, do yourself a favor when it comes to basketball, hockey, uh, theater, concerts, whatever it is you choose playing Friday night. Whatever, whatever big UFC event is happening where Buffer is going to be announcing the the participants in the I ring. Mean, seriously. The Warriors of the Octagon. No, there, yeah. no, 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 no
baby. That's a tease. <laughs> There's nobody better. Uh, you got me fired up already. Uh, you got to get the game time. It's unbelievable. Don't forget. Uh, for that, use the code ALLNFL. You get 20 bucks off your purchase. Uh, also, I got to tell you real quick about prize picks, man. We love geeking out over. We see players, balls, breaking players down. We're watching games. We're getting and stuff. And we love players. And I'm a nerd. I love the box score and all that stuff. So do yourself a favor. And the newest, most fun DFS game of skill and challenge is prize picks. Oh, man, it's amazing. In fact, use code ALLNFL. You get your first deposit match. It's amazing. So you pick players, right? So you'll see what a player, say, is projected for, the projection. So we know Brock Purdy's 299 yards. So you you would say basically more or less. And then you build together and try to get it right. It's tremendous. It's such a game of skill. It's so cool. You're going to be making these entries, and it's going to be incredible. You're going to love it. I, I love it. I love the DFS stuff because it's all about how much you know and sports and, you know, that sort of thing. So check it out. It, it and use that code for prize picks, uh, all NFL, and you get your first deposit match up to $100. It's so cool. You're going to love it. All right, back to our show and uh, joining us. He's a legend. I mean, just, you know, come on. How about a Baldy? I mean, Bruce Buffer. Does yeah, anybody you, you, get you more excited before a match than this man? <laughs> That's why he's in such demand around the whole world. Oh, thanks, guys. My, your, your, your kind words are wonderful. And uh, let's not forget that other legendary buffer, Michael Buffer. Michael the, Buffer. The greatest announcer of all time. Let's well, listen, Bruce, him. let's start with what you were doing just last night in Allegiant Stadium. Tell us about how you got the gig and what you were responsible for because it was a big TV event last night, Bruce. Yeah, it was a huge event. I think it was an historical event, you know, considering all-inclusive because this hasn't really happened before. No, yeah. no. It so, was a made-for-TV event for, the, I think, the first time, yeah, Bruce. CBS. Made, I mean, yeah, made-for-TV, first time, the whole bit. I mean, every network that it was on. I've been announcing, you know, when the Raiders came to Vegas, I had the honor of them having me, um, you know, working with them and announcing every home game at the Raider game. And then into season two, I did the first home game, and then I, I did the Pro Bowl, too. Mm-hmm. And um, I was online to do the Super Bowl. I was being held up to about the last couple weeks because, um, you know, there were a lot, a lot of stuff going on during Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. And uh, Dwayne The Rock came in that time. Oh, and yeah. He did it, yeah. Yeah. Two years ago. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Saying it is time, Dwayne. Careful. <laughs> <laughs> Five he's, times, Dwayne. One time, one time. No, I'm, I'm all kidding. He's great. He's great. I'm just joking around. I love football. I love appearing for football. And I was honored when the uh, NFL. Super Bowl committee contacted me, asked me to participate in this amazing event. And quite frankly, you know, the fact that I could introduce the Kansas City Chiefs, you know, the reigning defending undisputed mm-hmm. champions and the San Francisco 49ers, the former champions, uh, it's a bucket list. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, okay. it, in this life that we lead, you know, the experiences we have, it's one thing to work and earn and do all that. Put that over there. Yeah. Right. The experience itself is something that, that lasts a lifetime. And last night was just incredible. It was actually a hundred times more than I expected. Yeah. You know, it was amazing. There was a big, huge uh, participation from the fans. Big reaction. Bruce. Oh, big man. reaction. You know, there was, uh, you know, you have stadium the whole 70,000. There was roughly 25,000 mm-hmm. there in attendance uh, supporting their teams. We all know that a lot more coming in this town yep. today, tomorrow, the next day. Um, you can't beat it. And the media. And then, you know, to be uh, to be around the Warriors of the Gridiron and, you know, to meet Mahomes and meet Kelsey and meet Purdy and all the other guys. And they're fans and, of you. 
I'm I'm honored. Cool, you know, I'm so about the it whole thing. It goes both ways. I, I, you know, yeah. you see all these all these Raiders at all these UFC events, Bruce, and the guys that come into town for this kind of stuff. They want to see Bruce too. I appreciate that. You won't hear that come from me, but I appreciate it coming <laughs> from you. <laughs> give, give us. Like, how do you channel the, your energy? Like, before a big, a big match, like, what, what is it? Like, what, how do you get ready? You know, you got to realize that in a fight game, fighters, whether they're boxing or doing mixed martial arts, let's talk UFC, they're training roughly eight to ten weeks to get to that moment, the moment we've all been waiting for, mm -hmm. right? The fans have been in the audience now for five hours waiting for the main event, mm -hmm. six hours. The undercard fighters have all put their blood, sweat, and tears on the line. I gave them all the energy, all the passion I could, I could give them. When they walk on the octagon at this, this height level, my job, and the show's not about me, it's about the fighters and the fans, that's the way I always say it, but my job is to take them to that next level. Yeah. So what I want to do is when I get in there, and I know what it's like to bang, and I, and I have that kind of mentality, but when I look at these great warriors, male and female both, I realize that I just have to give them everything I can. And that's why I, 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 can, I can't stand still, you know? I gotta, yeah. I gotta just let it fly. I put my passion out there, every ounce of energy I have out there. I don't care if I have a blown out back, just came off laryngitis, I have a 103 degree temperature, one leg, because I blew my knee the night before, because quite honestly, everything <laughs> I just said has happened. Yeah. <laughs> the bottom line is I don't tell anybody about it. I can rise to the moment, because listen, I'm announcing they're fighting. Yes. So I give it I give it my all. And when they you know, they reach out and they want me to come into their space or they fist bump me or they acknowledge it's it's, it's the grandest comment in the world. You, you know, you I know that nice I'm doing my job. Taken. You had some nice pictures taken last night with with Kelsey and Mahomes yeah. and some of the guys. Yeah, yeah, it was good. It, it was an honor. I mean I've met Mahomes before briefly when I was doing an introduction at a previous NFL event. Um, but you know, I'm fans of all these yeah, guys. Yeah. Yep. It's 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 really awesome. I mean, let's face it. I mean, Kelsey's going to go down in history as one of the greatest ever. Yep. Bruce, what do you think this is going to Amongst look like on Sunday? I mean, an NFL Super Bowl in Vegas. Like, no, most people couldn't conceive this even five years ago. Yeah. But it's here, and it's, we're on the doorstep of it right now. Right. You're here for some of the biggest events in the world. So you know the feeling that Vegas gives any event. Yeah. What do you feel like that's going to be like in that amazing stadium? You know, I've been coming to Las Vegas since the 70s, mm -hmm. okay? And I've seen this town grow uh, to where it's gotten today. Let's face it, now that uh, Legion Stadium housing the Raiders, uh, the talk of the NBA team coming mm -hmm. to town, all this, the Super Bowl happening in Las Vegas. With the Super Bowl here in Las Vegas, it epitomized the fact that this is the entertainment capital of the world. Yep. There's no question. Uh, anything you want to do is in Vegas, whether it's to see a Broadway show, some of the greatest entertainers in the world, magicians, you mm -hmm. name it, singers, you name it, sports, you name it. Where else can you do this? No. This is Seriously, it. There's only one Las Vegas, Bruce. There's only one Las Vegas. And um, it's truly on Sunday is the moment we've all been waiting for. I mean, the Super Bowl. Mm -hmm. Hello. If someone's coming to Vegas for the first time, or maybe they're not experienced, yeah. What, where would you say? What, what would you tell them? What's the What's the Bruce Buffer advice? <laughs> like you got to do this. Like what would it be? Well, there's certain things you got to do. I mean, now they got the Sphere here. Yeah. This is an amazing place to go to. Go see the show at the Sphere. Go see you two. Go see the the uh, the water uh, the water display at the Bellagio. Yeah. Right. Go check out the, the Paris Circle and look at the, look at the Eiffel Tower. I mean, there's so many things here to, to do. It's like you need more time than just a weekend. Yep. You know, it's, it's, it's amazing. The shows, the magic shows. I saw Chris Angel's act the other night. It was phenomenal. Right? Go see mm -hmm. O. Go see this. Go yeah. see that. Um, relax at the pool. Enjoy. And, and uh, just, again, anything you want to do, it's here. Yeah. 
the best experience, pick a really nice hotel. Every hotel has five-star restaurants, entertainment, you name it. You might even, not even have to leave the property. It's all self-inclusive. Well, we ate at one last night, Barry's Steakhouse. Barry's Steakhouse. Barry, the owner of the steakhouse. I mean, a great guy. I've known him for years since he owned the, uh, ran nine at the Palms. And uh, that was a delicious dinner we yeah. had. Circa yeah. is wonderful. And Circa's wonderful, yep. Good question. No question. Uh, some of the fighters that you, I mean, I know you, all of them, and I don't want you to have to single any of them out, but give, give me, like, some that you just go, you just love, you, you, you get, you get yourself, just get so excited, pumped up to, to see. I get excited for every fighter, but obviously there's ones that, you know, the, the legends that walk in. I mean, you know, when Chuck Liddell used to walk into the yeah. octagon, George St. Pierre used to walk yeah. into the yeah, octagon, yeah. the great Randy Couture would walk in. Um, on even modern day, you know, right now, John Jones, you know, walking into the octagon. BJ Penn, one of the greatest fighters of all time. I can go on and on and on. To ask me the greatest fighter, the greatest fighter I've ever seen is not a fair question because in 28 years I've been doing this this month, I've seen and announced them all. Yeah. You know, and it's an honor to share the space with them and to be part of their world. That's awesome. And I love the female fighters, too. I mean, incredible. It, I mean, Ronda Rousey put yeah. female fighting on the map in the UFC and in the sport of mixed martial arts. But, you know, Amanda Nunes, you know, Holly Holmes, um, you know, all these all these ladies out there doing their thing. Raquel Pennington just got the championship. They provide, as the men do, but, I mean, they really bring it, man. They bring it. Well, they train like, like you know, warriors. I mean, they're, train, like, they're I, training regiments. We watch these girls train. The, flurry, the flurries are incredible. You'd be amazed what a 135-pound what a I'm not weight. going in the ring against him, no, Bruce. No, no you, way. You, I'm telling no you, way. You know what a 135-pound Bantamweight female? Now, granted, you got the punch from hell, right? But uh, they grab you and get you on the ground. I no, mean, yeah. I ain't messing. No. I ain't messing. <laughs> Bruce, take us out of here, man. Give us a big all-city, all-sports. Give us, like, some sort of uh, exit right here. Give me the exact name of your show. It's the All-NFL Podcast. And now... This is the moment we've all been waiting for. It's time for the NFL podcast. But now it's time to say goodbye. <laughs> all right, Bruce. That's good, buddy. Thank That's you, fantastic. <laughs> the great Bruce Buffer. Uh, you're going to hear from Cam Hayward. You're going to hear from our favorite, Antonio Pierce, Pierce, new coach of the Raiders. That's all coming up. So stay right here for Baldy. I'm Cuz live in Vegas. We'll see you tomorrow. Big cheers. No fears forever, everybody. First of all, I read the letter in the Players' Tribune that, that you wrote. It was beautiful, man. It was just such a hard. I can imagine you was a kid, right, <laughs> watching Raiders and, and Marcus Allen reverse field. Come on, man. Like, the thing about that article is it was a chance for me to kind of, like, let everybody know who AP is. You know, a lot of people don't know. You see it from afar. You hear a guy screaming. That's all he does. Like, there's more in depth to it, more substance there. But at the end of the day, man, I grew up watching the game of football and grew up in Los Angeles. At that time, the Raiders was at its peak. You know, they were playing really good football. And it was exciting. You know, when you watched the Marcus Allen, the Howie Long, the Bo Jackson's world, it was like, and then you saw those colors. It was like, come on, man. Put me in, coach. <laughs> yeah. Put me in, coach. But I feel like I feel like the legacy of Al Davis, like the flame inside your building, inside Allegiant Stadium, it will never die. And it's almost like if if we, if Al could come back, he'd be so proud. That's you almost feel like you, you have to pay homage all the time. No, you do. I mean, there was a certain standard, right? And he, you know, there's all those different words, but commitment to excellence. Yeah. Just win. Like when you hear that, you know you associated yeah. with only one, well, one person, team. Yeah. one team, and one person. 
And, and you can see it visually, and that's that's what we're chasing. You know what I mean? Is it, is it going to be easy? No. It's going to be hard as hell. But the thing about it is we're starting to build this bad boy the right way from ground up with players and coaches that want to be a part of that. Yeah. Not, not collect a paycheck. Yeah. Not to put a uniform on. To really live and die by what those words mean. And if we can do that, that, that really is going to embody what we look like on the field each and every Sunday. I love what you said about the cigars. Like, like listen, there's a place for that. But we're going to build up to that. Like, we're going to earn that. And you, you have such respect for, for like, the, like the, the silver and black. Like, I, I just love the fact that you have that kind of respect for the game and f- for that, for your franchise. Yeah, I, I, well, first of all, as a player, how much work and how much stress physically, emotionally, and mentally you go through throughout the week? And you know how hard it is to win on a Sunday? I don't care what we have to do after the game. Yeah. That whatever makes some guys feel good yeah. to hit the reset button in yeah. 24 hours, yep. win, lose, a draw, and do it again, yeah. we're going to do it. And if they say, AP, we smoke cigars, then we're smoking cigars. If yeah. we're doing something else, as long as it's legal, we're doing it. <laughs> we're doing it. Because that, at the end of it's about keeping them gentlemen focused, eager, and motivated to get better each and every week. And that's our staff, too. I mean, those guys, our coaches are in the office 5 a.m. till almost midnight, burning hours at a time of film study to get the right answers just to go on the practice field just to rep those and then give them to our coach our, our players and then go on and so forth to put a plan together to win and there's nothing rewarding it's nothing better you want to hear right you know this hearing that victory monday and, and see you wednesday like that, that gives you goosebumps you yeah. know what i mean like that's what you live for can you identify what a raider is antonio can you see it can you, is it is it uh, 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 the way a, a person practices is it their level of commitment can you see that I do I, I can I, I see it where my office was positioned when I was a linebacker coach I would I could literally see everybody that walk in the building you Once can learn a lot just from that just for that just how they walk their body approach, language body language I'm big on body language I yeah. read people right I can feel your energy and synergy you know and I needed to feel that and there's a, a certain way and I, I'm used to one guy <laughs> we talk about it. it's Max Crosby yeah. when I see him get out the car every day Win, lose, or draw, off-season, in-season, at 6 a.m., the way he walks in the building is with a purpose. It's with an attitude. It's with trying to chase greatness. He wants to be the greatest Raider of all time. I'm looking for guys that want to do that across the board. I'm looking for yeah. 53 men. I'm looking for 20-plus coaches that want to be the great. I, listen, I'm chasing. I'm chasing yeah, greatness. It's right. I, am I going to get it? I don't know. But, damn it, I'm chasing it. Yeah. I'm chasing. That's my goal. you got to do it. And, it. and I might come up short. I don't know. But I'm going to give it everything I got to yeah. get there. And that's what I'm looking for within our organization from our players and staff. We're at the Super Bowl, so obviously Spags was a big part of your life with the Giants. What did you learn from him? What have you taken from him as a coach? The foundation, man. He started with this, this brick. He had this, 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 this flow chart. And at the bottom, it was trust, unity, team, together. And then it worked his way on up. And it started with a rock-solid foundation. He, I know he still does it with the Chiefs. I know for 100%. It, it's, it's his core values that he believes in. And everybody goes back to the Super Bowl year. That was a great year. Nobody remembers how it started. Some do. Yeah. 0-2, 80 points. Yeah, yeah, 80 yeah. points, 1,000 yards, worst coordinator, worst linebacker coach, yeah. worst defensive end. We were just a bad team. And he came in that Monday or that, that yeah that Monday after the game and was like, we're gonna be okay. The hell you mean we're gonna be okay? We're bad. <laughs> no man, we're bad. Like how are we fixing they're, this? They're laughing at us. We're, we're gonna believe. We're and gonna believe. Dallas we're, was one of the yeah, games. Yeah, and we're gonna look. We're gonna Dallas and Green Bay, the two yeah. teams we faced later in the season. It was like, look man, we're gonna believe in our core values and we're gonna just we're gonna keep building on this bad boy. Okay, we're gonna pull some stuff and we're gonna pull it out a little bit until we can get the rhythm flowing. And then it took that you know that goal line stance that we had in Washington to really 
make guys believe, and then boom, we're off and running. But it started with how Spags approached that Monday. He didn't come in yelling, screaming, MFing people. No. He came in like, all right, gentlemen, I, I made mistakes. You made mistakes. Okay, now what, how are we going to fix this? Together. And it was a buy-in together that really propelled us to go what we did that year in 2007. Did, did no. you? Go ahead. That last game of the season, because I remember Spags telling me, Coughlin said, we're going to play everybody. What did that, because like, he was like, really? We really want to play? What did that mean? Yeah, we would have been fighting if Coughlin told us to sit. Like, we weren't That's built like that. I'm just saying we weren't built like that. Myself, Strahan, Sean O'Hara, Plaques, Eli, none of those guys were built like that. We weren't built like that, man. We were we were a gritty, hard-nosed team. I know we was in New York with the bright lights, man, but we, we loved the physicality. We loved playing for one another and competing, to be honest. And that was never a question. I know what everybody else looked at. We saw it as a measuring stick. Yes. We're going to the playoffs, and at that time, think about Dallas was right there with yes. New England. I know that record-wise, they lost three games that year. Green Bay was another really good football team. So we're like, look, we need to we need to get off on the right path and going right. against the best. And if everybody remembers that last game, we 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 played with them pretty yeah, well. Yeah, we got after them. No, toe to toe. But it showed that we can be more physical with them. We can yeah. run the football. We can stop the run. And if we can just figure out an answer for Randy, <laughs> not let him blow the top off, we'll, we'll be okay. And it really gave us a confidence that we needed to go in in that playoff set. In reality, if we play together and play our way, we can play with anybody. You know, you're, you're, what you're describing here, Antonio, thank you for your time. We'll let you run here. But, like, what you're describing is can be said in one word, and it's belief. And everybody preaches it. But, like, how do you get everybody to really unity, one message, one thought, one group? Yeah, just be clear. Clarity. Communication. It's not cluttery. I don't go past three. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and really it starts with me, by my tone, by my delivery. I don't walk around with a PowerPoint. I don't walk around with a bunch of notes. Everything you hear from me is coming from within inside of me. Yeah. It's coming from the core, right? So I can't fake it, you know? How does he maintain this? How can he keep this up with shit? Because it's me. Because it's who you are. Yeah. It's me, man. Like, what, are you, what are you questioning? I don't get it. Yeah. This is Antonio Pierce. Like, right. Again, get to know me, you'll know it. If you're around me enough, you're like, wow. You just need more people to come along with you. If you get a, a village of people that believe in it. Yep. We'll be here hopefully next next year at this time. You're amazing. We'll see. You just got that great leadership, man. You just... I've been around some great men. You know, it started with Marty Schottenheimer when I walked in National Football League. I mean, he, he taught me what it was like to be a pro. I was in there with Daryl Green, with Bruce Smith, man, Big Daddy Wilkerson, Mark Carrier, Jeff George. I can, I can go on and on about the veterans that were in there, what to do and what not to do now. That's also the other part. Yeah, 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 yeah. Everybody didn't do it right. I named a couple names there. He said, ooh, why do you name him? That's not what to do. <laughs> but it was other guys that showed me what to do and how to do it as a 22-year-old rookie. When free agent, free undrafted. Agent. Like, come on, man. I, yeah. I was fighting. Yeah. I was scrappy and everything I had to do. I had to earn everything. I've, I, that wasn't given nothing. You know, people say, oh, I hope he gets a shot. What the hell do you mean I hope I get a shot? I earned it. Yeah. I earned it. I went out there and we did it. Our guys did it on the grass. Our coaches did it in the meeting rooms. We did it together, and that's why we're in the position we are now going forward. What did you learn when you took interviews outside the organization? Like, what, what did you learn about other teams and then – to, to know what you want to be. Yeah, I, I think those processes of how you want to build a team. Um, again, I have my own ways of doing it, but when you're working with somebody else like we are here with Tom Telesco as a GM, is it through the draft? Is it through free agency? You know, is it is it the undrafted guys? Is it the top-tier guys or the lower-tier guys? You know, I like the lunch pill mentality, right? I know you need superstars, but every time I look at these Super Bowl teams, I don't see a bunch of first-rounders out there consistently on each and every team. Right. Yeah. Um, but then also just of how to evaluate, how you go through the interview process. What I did and what I didn't want to do was not skip anything. I didn't want Mark Davis to do, to, do that either. Go ahead and interview. Interview all of them. Put me against 
ex-coach. Put me against that guy. I'm going to come out on top, but I'm not worried about that. I'm gonna go, I believe in what I do and what I know. And if I don't know it, I fill in the blanks. And I'm not too – listen, when I walk in, I check my ego at the door. Yeah. My past doesn't matter when I walk in that door each and every day. I got to get better that day. And when you surround yourself with people with that mentality, it gives you a great opportunity. And that's where you can see it, players. They, they love you, man. Because like, I'm real. There's yeah. no BS, man. It is what it is, fellas. It's black and white. There ain't no gray. Take the gray out of it and they respect I it. saw a lot of young players that we weren't sure about, white. Go, go more, youngster. But then sometimes there's also something to say about bringing guys along too fast. Everybody in the league doesn't come and is ready day one. Some guys, it's day 56, it's day 90. I don't know what day it is. It's week 17. Yeah. I don't care as long as you get, as long as one person can help us. One play, one game. It might be a practice, whatever it may be. We got better as a team. Now that's where your superstars you step up each and every week. Sure. Devontae Adams, yeah, Josh yeah. Jacobs, Max yeah. Crosby. Yeah. You can never have a bad day, bud. Yeah. <laughs> I need you. Yeah. The other guy, we gotta pick up his mess, right? And then he'll come along and he'll grab up with the rest of us. How, what are you talking about making a game plan, formulating a game plan? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean I was fortunate when I was in college to be with Herm Edwards and Marvin Lewis. Two gentlemen who were, you know, if you look at my titles, I was associate head coach. So I did everything with Herm and Marvin, defensive coordinator, co-defense with Marvin Lewis, co- uh, defensive coordinator by myself. It wasn't like going to room AP, here you go. Like, yeah. it's that trial and error. And the best part to do is with gentlemen that have been there. So for me, no different than I've done in my personal life and other business adventures of building out a game plan, building out a formula, sticking to it, sticking to the script, not going off out of whack and, and going with what the masses want you to do, really going to your core values and sticking to those and then making adjustments as you need be. So to me, the game plan, you know, we're working with our coordinators on that. To me, it's, it's the mindset and the strategy that we put in place each and every week to win the game. That, that's my job. And then managing the game. Fun, man. Coach. Fun beginning, man. No. Thank you, Coach. Hey, P. I'll see you tomorrow, man, at Max's house. How was it? How, how, how did you – did the whole run to the playoffs, yeah. is that a building block for you guys? Um, it can be a building block. Um, you know, I think we were talking earlier, uh, we lost three games. Um, and after that, you know, we kind of, you know, gelled together, um, got some really good quarterback play out of Mason Rudolph um, when we needed it. And, um, you know, team just made a rally at then. Um, obviously, it wasn't where we need want to be, but uh, you look at the group, and I think there's a lot to build on with that. Cam, your season started this year against San Francisco. Yes. It was the best day for the Steelers and the Steeler Nation that day. But what do you rem- – I mean, obviously, like, things didn't go great for you that day. But, like, what do you remember about that 49ers team just getting ready for them? And Brock Purdy and – you know, just building a game yeah. plan against this guy. You know, the thing that really stuck out in um, film study was just the amount of yak they have yeah. Yeah. with Debo yeah. Samuels, George uh, Kittle, and, you know, um, the whole group. Ayuk goes unnoticed in the group. Because everybody talks about Debo and McCaffrey. and McCafferty and George. But if you forget about Ayuk, he he put on display versus us. You got you to gotta make sure you, you – you honor everybody in that group because they all play amazing. But is it just about a tackling? Is it just tackling, Cam? Is there more to it than it's, just like tackling the catch? It's, it's tackling, and then they stay with the run game. It's not like they really go away from it. And they've been very honest about it. McCaffrey, he's going to get one to two yards in some plays. But then he's looking to just keep beating at the door. So when it finally opens up, it's a 40-yard run, and you're, you're scratching your head wide. So is there – 
does the motion and the shifts every play, Cam, does it ever get you out of position as a defense? You know, I think you got to have some base calls where it doesn't matter what the motion okay. um, to kind of mix up that flow so yeah. they don't just get a beat on you every time. That way you can stem fronts and move things accordingly. Um, that way you're not di- they're not dictating to you. Um, but, you know, if you get caught up in a motion game with them and just play man the entire game, you yeah. are looking pretty stupid out there. <laughs> I thought that you're, we, we just, Andy Weidel just checked in when yes. we were doing the podcast. Did he have the right answer, Baldy? Yeah, he had the right answer. <laughs> the but best I, defensive tackle. Yeah, on the field. But the, the, there was an emphasis this year mm-hmm. in the organization to build up the offense line. You saw yes. Isaac Sayamalo. Yes. And the difference he made. Brandon Jones. Yes. Broderick Jones. And the difference he made. Mm-hmm. Did you see it in practice early that this was going to be an improved group? Well, you know, you look at Sayamalo, C- C- doesn't say a lot, no. uh, but goes about his <laughs> business. Yeah. And, you know, the thing I love, I just – you never had to wonder what he's going to bring on tape. Yeah. You know, he's Mr. Consistent in that yeah. group. Um, but then you look at a guy like Broderick. He took his lumps early, but I thought he brought the energy of how a Marquise Pouncey would play and how, wow. you know, he just – he's not Marquise Pouncey, but he's got that tendency where he's going to lead the group eventually okay. because – For a young guy, that's yeah. something. Yeah. You know, he's, he's a dog. And, you know, we put him in situations where he's got to feel uncomfortable right now because yeah. he's a younger guy, but it's going to play dividends down the road. You know, I loved what you said about Arthur Smith because, you know, you were like, listen, that's the mob, that's mob mentality, man. We, we're not like that. Like, you, you set the record straight. Like, you, you don't play any of that. Well, I think Pittsburgh's got plenty of mobs. <laughs> and so, you know, I, I don't want to go down that route of just creating another mob. But uh, you look at this and you think, um, you know, he's had success in Tennessee as a as an OC. Um, didn't have as much success in Atlanta, even though when we were playing for him, man, the dude can scheme up with the best of them. And he can, you know, you get into a game where they get into a rhythm. It's very tough. Uh, but I like going into a situation expecting the best, not expecting the worst. And so to, you know, put a guy down and say, oh, my gosh, this guy is falling, and he hasn't even called a play yet, I don't know if I can do that for our group. That seemed guys. like last year. Like, I mean, last year, everybody, like the mob was howling. Oh. Yeah, you go to anywhere, they were yelling, fire the OC. And then it turned into fire somebody else. And then it's, man, fire me. So you name it, you know, uh, we got to get back on track to just playing good football and, you know, worrying about that. I felt like the running game took off last year. Yeah. Like second half of the season, like Najee had real holes. Najee mm-hmm. was pounding people. Jalen is a beast. Like you see it, the one-two combination, the two of those guys. I felt like that was something that you could hang your hat on, that you can lean on and build upon yeah. going into this year. Well, you know, you look at the offensive line. They play better when they're able to go forward, not necessarily <laughs> going backwards. Um, and so for this group, uh, Najee and Jalen, they complement each other very well. They both do things very differently. One, Najee's, a, you know, a guy who wants to cut once and get upfield and, you know, lean on a guy. But Jalen, you know, you give him a sliver, he's going to make you pay. Uh, and Jalen coming out of the backfield is special, and so is Najee. Yeah. So, you know, it's not like they can't do the same things, but they provide a different way of doing it. Switching to the Super Bowl, Kansas City. Like, what, what do you make of their consistency being back here? What, what do you think the, the biggest, you know, attribute of that success is? I think people get caught up in the Mahomes effect um, and think they have to outscore people. 
instead of playing their game. And you can look at the Baltimore Raven game. Um, but the, the sneaky thing is, is, is their defense. Sure. Um, Chris Jones, um, they got two good corners out there that can lock up anybody. Um, and, you know, I think that defense has made a statement throughout these playoffs. And they have, you know, scratched and crawled in every game. I know the Buffalo game was, you know, it was a shootout. Mm -hmm. But then you look at that Baltimore game, man, Casey had to have a game plan to, you know, take them Baltimore out of their game. And they got Baltimore out of their game. And, uh, you know, putting 10 points on the board for Baltimore isn't going to do it. And, you know, everybody thinks, I got I to gotta score with Mahomes. I got to make sure, you know, we, we run up the score on this team. You don't have to do that. Control the line of scrimmage and, you know, make sure it's it's a heavyweight fight where I'll punch you once, I'll punch you twice, but I'm, then I'm going to get the dagger late. Kim, let me ask you this, because you mentioned Chris Jones. Yes. And, you know, just like yourself, Aaron Donald, there's a couple guys from that position in this league that understand the balance of the game, when to take a game, almost when to take a game over. Yeah. Like, how do you – I don't think everybody understands that. Mm -hmm. Like, how do you – Build to that in yeah. the game when you know, like this third down, we got to we got to get home. This is the this is the play. Well, I think you build on it, you know, from first play to last play. Um, you know, one thing I was top, uh, and it's bad because it's top, it was taught by a Baltimore Raven, Chuck Smith, who now yeah. coaches at the, yeah, the Baltimore Ravens. He told me one thing. He said, "Use moves to win later." And so it's not just I'm not doing things just to do things out there. You're I'm setting them up. Setting, setting them up, and you know. If I can scratch it off the list, I can say, hey, now I can go to the next. And you can do that in the run game and pass game, whether it's, you know, uh, doing a quick quick arm over just to get over the, the block really quick. Yeah. You know, if they've been leaning on you the entire game in the run game, now it's time to give them a little shake to get them out of the gap. Okay. Um, in the pass game, you know, setting up the bull or, you know, going to the bull right away so then you can work speed off of that. Uh, having a lot of counters in the game um, and then just understanding – when to pick your spots. There's a time to, you know, be aggressive and take that risk of maybe coming inside on, you know, a, a contained play or keeping the contain and forcing them into a B gap when you got a lot more help there. It's just about playing the game within the game. Gotcha. You brought up Mahomes, but let's talk about him just as, you know, a player. And what is the best way to approach him? I mean, he's <laughs> right. I mean, it's daunting. Yeah. Well, I think the thing um, – Pat is really good at. He takes like a 10-step drop. <laughs> and for yeah. any defensive lineman, it's a long way to chase. It's a long way to chase, and it buys him extra time. And so, you know, the more he's out of the pocket, the bigger the holes get. Um, and he's really good at extending plays in that way. And then when he extends plays, you find like a Kelsey open, you find like a Rice open. So he's able to buy time to keep going downfield. And then I don't think anybody can really touch his arm. His arm is unbelievable. He can make any throw. Um, any angle. And, and so that that's where really he sticks out at. And his accuracy, like the two throws last week, mm -hmm. they, they caught the, the one on the clinch at the Valdez Scantling. It caught him. I mean, he was falling. It was stuck in his face mask when we got there. Yeah, he's got great accuracy. And I yeah. think the thing about it is if you don't catch the pick the first time, you ain't getting it back. So you take advantage of those opportunities when you get them. Thanks, Ken. Thank you. Thanks, buddy. Hey, Appreciate it. Pleasure, man. Y'all silly like the mayor. 